We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. Your once a day stop for everything green and gold. My name is Mike Wallet, alongside me, Tyler Grezegord, coming to you guys every Sunday with the latest news from Lambeau Field. And as we look toward the offseason, combine week is starting to begin. Drills will be going on Thursday. There's free agency news to bring up. It is a full Packers grab bag on this Sunday. And Tyler, there's a lot going on. I guess this is could be a very big week for the Packers. It really could be. There's, there should be a lot of good news coming out this week. Well, good is subjective. However, there should be a lot of interesting news coming out this week between, you know, the CBA and different players being signed or cut by the different teams and, um, you know, a, a couple other things pertaining to the draft that we'll get into here in a little bit and then the combine. There's just a lot going on right now uh, in this young NFL offseason. Absolutely. Of course, this episode 578 of the Packaday podcast as we are well into year two of this incredible project that we are working on. But taking a look at what the Packers have got going on, and uh, first thing I think before even getting into free agency is coaching. Uh, Packers still need to hire a wide receivers coach, and there was talk about whether they would wait before or after the combine to do that. It sounds like obviously now they'll wait after. Maybe there'll be interviews during the combine. There's been talk among fans to try and bring in a former receiver, quote-unquote Jordy Nelson, to try and coach receivers. 
Uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts on Green Bay not having a receiver coach heading into the combine when this deep wide receiver class and when we think we'll actually see a wide receiver coach come in? You know, I think Matt LaFleur already has a good idea of what he wants and Nathaniel Hackett too. I think that they already have a good idea of what they're looking for in a receiver. You know, it's the same thing that we've been talking about the entire past season and then leading into this off season and now and still talking about how this offense needs an influx of speed and just a playmaker. And so I don't know if having a wide receivers coach is truly going to impact that. You know, maybe you want to have a guy in the room with you when you're picking a, when you're picking a wide receiver in the draft because you want that coach to be like, yeah, I can I can coach this guy or you know, I, you want that connection right away. But it's not the biggest area of concern for me because I feel like, as I just stated, that Lafleur and Hackett already have a pretty decent idea. Gutekunst gets rolled into that as well. I think that they all have a pretty decent idea of what they're looking for already. No, I agree, and I think, I, and plus, I'm pretty sure Luke Getzey was a receiver coach back for the Packers before he went to Mississippi State. Also, there's there's guys in house that have worked with them before, and I think also this lets the receivers themselves when they're on their own work on their own stuff. You don't, you don't have a coach telling him you have to do this plan and so on and so forth. I think this could help them as well figure out what they need to work on and do some own self-introspection, self-reflection, things like that. But kind of moving on from that, there's some interesting free agent news throughout the NFC North over the course of the past week. Every team but Green Bay had guys leave already. And I, don't, I doubt any of them will go back to their original team's whether it's for cap reasons or because they weren't a good fit anymore. Uh, so starting in Detroit, Damon Snacks Harrison was released by the Detroit Lions. He says it was mutual. There's no hard feelings. They brought in from the Giants to shore up their run defense, and it just didn't work. And there's talks about whether he was going to retire. Uh, sounds like he wants to keep playing. For the right price, Snacks Harrison, I thought I think would be a great fit. But again, it's going to have to come down to price. Tyler, what are your thoughts on on Snacks Harrison? I mean, I was on Twitter the other day advocating for it. It's it is completely dependent upon price. You know, I, I'm not going to pay a premium for for Snacks Harrison for Damon Harrison. Uh, he, he's he's a specialist, and that's fine. That that's great and dandy, but. There's a reason why Detroit's moving on. You know, they didn't feel like they were getting everything they could out of him, but I think he's still a tremendous role player. And if he's a guy you can throw on, on the field in goal line situations, third and short, you know, a guy that you just need to, where you just need to stop and you say, Harrison, get out there. That, that's perfect. And, and I think that's ultimately what this team needs in this offseason is just to find those role players, something they've kind of struggled to have in the past. And you can't really address those types of roles until you have core pieces and, you know, starters at most positions, which the Packers do. They're not in the market for a ton of starting players right now. And so defensive line is one of those areas where they just need to kind of get deeper. And honestly, they need to get, they need to get Kenny Clark some help because he's just getting swallowed up with double teams every single game and they need to get somebody to take some of those double teams off of him and really let him thrive. No, I agree. And of course, bringing in Snacks Harrison also bring in one of the all-time name players. I mean, how often do you get a player named Snacks to come in and play defensive line? No, but I agree. And there's other defensive line we'll get to in a little bit. But And there's also a chance uh, Darius Slay might get traded from Detroit. I don't think Green Bay's interested in that just because the price it would cost. Slay's going to get 
seriously paid by whoever gets them. Just keep them out of the NFC for me personally. But in Minnesota, another interesting one, again, it'll depend on price, but he, and he, but he's one of my favorite players to watch for a while, and that's Everson Griffin. Uh, Griffin has uh, used an, an out on his contract. He took his option. Minnesota was over the salary cap. They still might be, so they got some work to do yet to even have a chance to sign draft picks. But it seems like Everson Griffin's time in purple is done, and he's a very, very good defensive end. And I wonder where he'll end up. Obviously, again, price would probably be too much, but I would love to see him in Green Bay. Well, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe Griffin exercised his player option, which even further indicates to me that he's not returning to Minnesota. And so, you know, that wasn't even Minnesota saying, hey, we need to clear cap space. That was Griffin saying, hey, I want out. And so he's going to go elsewhere, I believe. I don't know where that is. I don't know if Green Bay is going to have interest in him. He'd have to slide inside a little bit more often, and I don't know if that's really a role that suits him best. Uh, but Mike Patton's been known to kind of formulate his defense around the players that he has, and I, I think he's really starting to accumulate those. So I'm not sure if he fits in Green Bay right now, but uh, you know, I, 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 another player that I'm glad will be out of the NFC North, just like Darius Slay, hopefully he's going elsewhere. Uh, even though Devontae Adams had his number, it was never a matchup that you went into feeling good about yourself. So another another playmaker from uh, one of these contending teams in the NFC North that is going to be looking out. Absolutely, and staying in Minnesota, and I'm glad you brought that up in our on our chat here as we discuss this is Stephon Diggs. Uh, he's there's something's going on there in Minnesota with him, and I don't know whether it's disagreement with teammates or coaches, but it seems like he's deleted all Minnesota stuff from his social media. He's been very cryptic, not Antonio Brown cryptic, but cryptic in his own way on social media about what's going on. And that would be another big thing if he were to head out of Minnesota. Not only would it help the Packers, but again, I, it's going to cost too much to bring in, but it's hard not to dream about an Adams-Diggs duo. But wh- whoever gets Diggs is going to get one of the top three route runners in football. Could you just imagine that Diggs and Adams duo, though? You know, it'd be really funny too, uh, as an homage to before the 2019 season here, when everybody was debating Diggs versus Adams as one of the top route runners in the NFL, and all the Vikings fans were Adams has nothing on Diggs, and and now we're sitting here. Well, what if Diggs and Adams go play together? And it, how do you stop that? You, you, it's just going to be. It would be. Uh, it would be a very, very enticing duo to pay for, um, and I, I really wonder what the price tag would be. You know, I wonder if teams are on the outside looking in and seeing Diggs acting the way he's acting and are kind of a little bit more hesitant after the Antonio Brown saga. And so it's going to be something to watch for sure. I, I still believe he ends up in Washington. That's just my gut feeling. I, I, Washington has a cap space, the need for a wide receiver. Uh, he would go there and he'd be the ultimate number one. So I, I think that that's a good fit for Diggs. And ultimately, I think that's where he ends up. But it's going to be something to watch. Yeah, I was for sure. thinking either Washington or Baltimore. He went to Maryland, so he's got kind of familiar with that area as well. Yeah, Diggs and McClure will be a pretty solid duo. But yeah, as long as he's out of Minnesota, that's what I care about at this point. Just I don't. He's he's too good and too dangerous to be playing twice a year. But then moving on to, and, and aside from Adam Thielen as well, I mean, just 
you're 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 taking what was one of the best wide receiver duos going into the 2019 season, and you're breaking it apart. And Thielen didn't necessarily have a good 2019 season. I know he was dealing with a ton of injuries, but even when he was on the field, and maybe this was a uh not his fault. Maybe it was Stefanski's fault, the OC, but. You know, the, the Vikings wide receiver room all of a sudden looks pretty grave if, if Diggs is no longer a Viking. Well, absolutely. Plus, there's still decisions to make on Rudolph. And again, Minnesota in some serious financial issues right now. And thank you, Kirk Cousins, for signing a fully guaranteed contract and maybe completely destroying your team for another year. Well, and they have to resign down absolutely. next offseason. And yeah, I think Daniel Hunter coming up soon as well. There's a lot for Minnesota to have to think about. But moving on to Chicago, possibly the one that's maybe the most enticing. There's been talk all year about Grimmy needing a true slot guy. And on Friday, the Bears released Taylor Gabriel. Gabriel didn't quite make his impact in Chicago that people expected, but when he was in Atlanta, he was an electric guy on the slot for Matt Ryan, part of that MVP season. And again, prices is the key here. Gabriel, as kind of that gadget slot guy, could be a pretty good fit outside opposite Adams and MVS and EQ and Lazard and all those guys the Packers have now. Getting that true quick slot guy in there could really help. Yeah, he could really. And you mentioned price. I don't think he would come at it at a very exhaustive price tag. I, I do believe he'd be rather affordable considering his stint in Chicago was not necessarily the best. But Lafleur has had success with Gabriel in the past, and that's an important note to to have here as we move forward into this offseason is what are players that Lafleur has experience with, the types of players that Lafleur has experience with, uh, not only him but Nathaniel Hackett. These types of players are going to be key moving forward because I believe that's how Lafleur wants to build his offense. And it was quite obvious this past year that this offense just needed a playmaker, a somebody that can stretch the field and make a play when they are called upon. And I think Gabriel could be that guy. He didn't he didn't do as well as I think everybody thought he would in Chicago, but at the same time, I don't know if Chicago used him properly. Uh, and but he also wouldn't have that big of a role in in Green Bay if they decided to bring him in. And you know, one of the things that we talked about moving into the offseason was. I think Green Bay needs to add two wide receivers to that room, one veteran wide receiver and one high-priced rookie or a high-value rookie. This this is exactly how you would do it, is you go out and you get a guy like a Taylor Gabriel, you bring him in for cheap, and then you go and get a rookie to develop behind Devontae Adams. Hopefully you can still develop Mark Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Ellen Lazard, Equinemius St. Brown. Hopefully you can still develop those guys, and you're not giving up on them by bringing in the rookie and uh, bringing in a veteran either at a, uh, on a cheap contract. That is the key note here. I don't think they need to go out and spend on a premium receiver and then go draft uh, with a first or second round pick another receiver. But Taylor Gabriel fits exactly into the plan that I had envisioned for the Green Bay offseason. No, I agree. And so, and Prince of Kamara, we don't need to talk about that. He's not coming to Green Bay. If they're going to bring a veteran quarterback, it'll be Tremont Williams. And then they'll probably draft one as well. The only but, thing I think is significant about Umukamara is he was the number two corner in Chicago. So what are they doing now? You know, with all their cap problems, what are they going to do? So that probably changes their draft focus a little bit. But huh, with what draft capital? They don't have draft capital because they traded it for Quill Mac. So um, what, are, what are they going to do? It, it, it's it's definitely a, a dark, scary time in Chicago. Absolutely. So, so, so far, the offseason's 
lining up pretty well so far for the Packers as far as their division opponents. But taking a quick look at some of the other free agency guys around, and again, this is all going to take place after the Packers have to resign some of their own guys. But guys out there are Chris Harris, Anthony Harris from the Vikings is out there as well at safety. He can kind of be that rover. Uh, Chris Jones for now, uh, Michael Pierce, Javon Hargrave, Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper, Eric Ebron. Obviously, any of those guys would be great in greeting gold. But are there any ones you think the Packers have a realistic chance at? Uh, you know, I'm looking at the list of guys. It really depends on Brian Gutekunst. And what he's done in the first two off seasons is he's He's found the weak link in his roster, and he has just attacked it with full force. And so far, it's paying dividends, right? So the first year, it was cornerback and safety. He went out and uh, he got uh, Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson in, in that offseason, and he brought in Brashad Breland later on. You know, Tremont Williams was also a member of that that cornerback class that year, just completely rebuilt the cornerback room. And then you come into the last offseason, he really did attack with safety with Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. Uh, and then he attacked the edge position by going out and snagging uh, what looks like a steal right now for both. And Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. So with that being known, what are the positions that the Packers really truly need to improve on this year? I don't think it's tackle right now. It's not. It's tackle depth. That's fine. So maybe they draft a couple guys to to come in and replace Alex Light and be Bakhtiari and Balaga's backup. Are they bringing back Balaga? That's the key question here. If they don't bring back Balaga, then that could really shift the off the off season focus for the Packers. As of right now, I believe it's inside linebacker. So I think we're going to see what we've seen uh, the past two years. I think he's just going to throw an influx of talent at the position. So we're looking at. Signing one, you have a guy like a Corey Littleton. I don't think Blake Martinez is coming back. Thank you for your service in Green Bay, but I just think it's time to move on. Uh, so I think Corey Littleton is probably top of the list for Green Bay. And then go into the draft and bring somebody else in. Completely rebuild that, that inside linebacker room. Uh, outside of that, you have defensive line depth. We talked about it already with um, with a couple of the guys that are going to be on the free agent market. And with with Snacks Harrison, you know, Javon Hargrave from the Steelers would be a fine addition as well. He can play inside and out on that that 3-4 defensive front. Michael Pierce would be a fantastic addition, a fantastic veteran addition, alongside of Kenny Clark, just a run-stuffing defensive tackle. You have two of the best run-stuffing defensive tackles in the entire NFL uh, if you can bring in Michael Pierce on a good veteran deal. Uh, and then you can go into the draft and you can add somebody there as well. And next thing you know, your defensive line is stout again. The Packers are in a great position here. And so... They can do so many things. If they decide that tight end is their biggest area of need, they can go attack tight end. There's guys like Austin Hooper who might demand who might demand a pricey price tag, but he'd be worth it because he can do everything you need him to do. Or a guy like a Hunter Henry who's probably not as quite of a safe as not as quite of a safe option as Hooper, but he's going to be just as dynamic. You, there's a couple options in the draft for tight end, but this is not necessarily a strong class. So I think if you're going to address tight end, it's going to be via free agency, or you're just going to roll with Sternberger and a veteran guy that you find uh, and bring in off the street. So there's just so many things that the Packers could do. It's just whatever Gutekunst decides this roster needs the most. I think it's going to be inside linebacker. I think that's the area he attacks in free agency. 
Absolutely. But then this all got to take place after you take care of your own guys first and that's key. Take, take care of everything in house. And during an interview from green Bay, before he left for the combine on Friday, Goodigan said one of his biggest things, he plans on bringing back Mason Crosby. Uh, he says, quote, I think when you have a guy who's been through the fire like Mason has for a guy in his position, it makes him feel very comfortable. He had an excellent year. He's a big part of the team, a big part of what they're trying to do. And he's hopeful they'll reach the right ending. So it sounds like the, one of the bigger priorities is Mason Crosby. So I think Crosby's coming back. Bulaga is still kind of up in the air. Other guys I think will probably be, for the most part, let to walk. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see the contract that Fackerel gets from whoever gets him, but there's extending young guys. Yeah, obviously, Kenny Clark, the big one as well, but Kevin King, his contract's up after this year. Aaron Jones, his contract is up after this year. Jamal Williams. There's a lot of things to think about long-term for this team as well as far as keeping guys in-house and extending them, getting the right price on them. And we, we know Kenny Clark's going to be here for the long haul. The, Brian Gutekunst has made no mistake about that, that they're signing Clark. But a guy like King or Aaron Jones, do you think they maybe get looked at for an extension this year? Uh, I think Aaron Jones does. I, I think, unfortunately, Jamal Williams is what he is. He's, he's a role player. He's a guy you send in uh, to give your team some juice. And maybe that has value. You know, um, I know he's a very crucial part of this locker room environment right now. And maybe that has value to Gutekunst. And it, it should. You know, to a certain extent, they can't overpay a guy like that. But I think it's important in a certain respect, to pay the guys who come in and perform, you know, because you have to send the right message to the guys who are in that locker room right now. You don't want to, what you don't want to get into is a situation where guys are playing their hearts out and then they're not earning contracts with your team. That's not going to really sit well with a lot of guys. And for what reason, you know, I don't blame them. So I think Aaron Jones is going to get a contract and I, it's going to be much to the dismay of a lot of Packers fans, but he's earned it. You know, outside of staying healthy, what reasons do you have for not paying Aaron Jones? This past year, he showed that he can run the ball. He showed that he can improve in pass blocking. I think he still has some work to do there. But then he showed that he can also catch the ball. So he's becoming a full three-down back. I don't think you break the bank for him, but I don't think they'll have to. I think he likes being in Green Bay. I think that he likes the offense. I think he just is going to – I think he's happy there in general. As long as you're promising him the starting role, which I don't see why they wouldn't, why not give him a second contract, three or four year deal, five or six million, uh, depending, you know, I think he's in that Kenyon Drake range, maybe a little bit more, uh, cause I heard Kenyon Drake was going to demand about seven. Um, other than that, you can't really break the bank for a guy like Aaron Jones. And I think he understands that. And that's not necessarily right, but he's not a stupid guy. And is, I think they'll come to an agreement and it's going to be to the dismay of Packer fans, but it's going to be worth it. I agree, and I think a thing that, that will hurt just running backs in general what has been what is now looking like a disaster contract in L.A. with, with Gurley, uh, with the Melvin Gordon holdout that didn't pay off. Uh, Zeke Elliott's got that big deal, and he's been good, but he hasn't been spectacular. He hasn't been like the old Zeke for there. And running backs, once David Johnson as well, has been a disaster as a signing as an extension from Arizona. I think running backs are so undervalued at this point in free agency and in contract negotiations that the big money running backs aren't going to be signed anymore. It's it's just, I think, the way the market's going at this point that teams are very wary of having a an albatross contract for a running back that has such a short shelf life that I think prices are going to be going down on backs for the next few years. And 
I think Aaron Jones will be a part of that, unfortunately, for him, because you're right, these guys deserve to get paid, but it's just, I don't think, I think it's just not going to happen for running backs anymore. Yeah, and it's a very unfortunate, you know, part of the business aspect of the NFL, but it is what it is at this point. You know, there, there's way too, there's way too few good examples of paying running backs, and there's way too many examples of bad situations involving paying running backs. And so, unfortunately, it's not going to work in his favor. He needs to show, I think, for one more year that he's going to remain healthy. So I don't think we'll see an extension until maybe midseason next year if he's able to stay healthy for the first half of the year or even following the 2020 season. I don't think we'll see an extension this offseason. Uh, I think they'll wait. They'll wait until the end. But um, he, he, I think he's earned it. He'll get one. Um, but moving on now, you know, the, the combine is this week. So maybe the Packers look to draft one if there's a guy that they like in Indy. Um, I haven't heard who they're sending, but I'm assuming Gutekunst will be there as well. So we'll see what they do, uh, moving forward here. And I think that the draft and free agency will be a big, big yeah, it's like all the coaches are going. Yeah. It okay. sounds like, sounds like all coaches are going to the combine. I know, I know like teams like Denver and the Rams are not sending their guys. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like all of Green Bay staff is going at least for a little bit. I know Gutekunst and Lafleur and Petten are on their way, and that's the way I think it needs to be. The triumvirate, the the three of them, uh, need to be there for at least the ninety percent of it. You know, maybe send your scouts for the other ten percent if you don't want to be there. But uh, those three, I think, need to be there. Yeah, you you need your GM has to be there for interviews for sure. You you, you need Gutekunst there to talk to guys and and to help run through the medical stuff and. And before we even get to the combine in draft season, there was some, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's been a lot of talk about the 2022 draft. And there's talk about it being awarded to Green Bay. Uh, J- uh, Jason Wallers, who is the director of VP of communication for the Packers, have said that they have not been awarded it yet, but it's still kind of out there that there might be a chance. And if that were to happen and come to Green Bay, that was such a big boost to the state, to the metro area of Green Bay, and in the Fox Valley as well, because that's where a lot of the, the people are going to be staying and driving up to Green Bay. And you, you, we can't understate how how big it, that is economically and just culturally for the area to have such a massive event in in Green, the Green Bay Ashwaubenon area. And just I know I know I'd, I'd find a way to make it there, and I'm pretty sure there'd be a lot of our fellow Pack Day podcast contributors there as well. Hey, guys, Tyler, what are your thoughts on the potential of the draft coming to Green Bay? I echo everything you just said. It's not, it wouldn't be just a big event for the, for the Packers themselves, but for the entire surrounding area. And if you're, if you're familiar with the entire, with the area at all, which our Wisconsin listeners should be, or if not, then, you know, take a trip up there because it's a great area to be, uh, the, the Fox River Valley area. And it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a good area that really would benefit from something like this. Just the exposure, uh, the influx of, uh, obviously revenue from, from, from people coming all over the country to, to, to see this event. And not only that, the Packers are a historic, rich franchise that having a, a momentous moment like somebody being drafted into the NFL at such a momentous place like Lambeau Field, you just can't write, you can't write the stories any quicker. And, I honestly felt the draft should have been there for the 100th season, but obviously that was uh, that did not happen. So I, there's just really no words to put into the way I feel about how the draft 
would be in Green Bay because it's just it's it's basically perfect to me. Um, just like it being in Canton at some point here in the near future, you know, those types of things, the the little the little locations. Who cares about Las Vegas? I don't I don't care that the guys are going to be coming in on a boat this year. I, I care about the other little things um, and the little meanings behind them. So. What it would do to the area, the surrounding areas, uh, you can't really put into words um, because it's a, it's a smaller area. So just to send all that, all the people there, it would just be, it would just be amazing. It'd be an amazing experience. I know I'd find a way up there, and uh, I'm sure that, the, like you said, the rest of our pack a day team would as well. And uh, I mean, I would just love it. It'd be a spectacle, and uh, I'd love to be there and be a part of it. Absolutely. So as we move on to the combine, there's a lot going on for the combine. Uh, players are arriving today. The tight ends, quarterbacks, wide receivers are arriving on this Sunday. They'll be doing their registration, some of their interviews. They'll get their measurements done on Monday. And then slowly on, the other players will trickle in. On, on-field testing will start on Thursday. But before then, you got all the medical stuff. You have interviews with coaches. you got the, the NFL PA meetings. You've got media. You've got the Wonderlick testing. You've got uh, other interviews just kind of getting settled into Indy. So if that's all starting on to on this Sunday. But beyond that, there's a lot on the field, there's a lot of new drills going on, but before we even dive into that, Tyler, what do you think is some of the most important drills for these for these players on the field? You know, I, I like to look at the defensive backs. For me, that's where you can really see uh the raw talent and raw ability with defensive backs. Obviously there's a lot more that goes into playing the position than, you know, just being on a field and running around. But they, they do the ball tracking drill where they have the defensive back flip their hips open, um, repeatedly. And you can really tell, uh, who, who is a natural fit for the position and who isn't. Um, when, when I look back a couple years, uh, Josh Jackson, uh, at the combine actually did not impress me. He struggled with that drill and it honestly has kind of shown in the NFL. I think it's one of the most translatable drills into the, to the league. Uh, so that, that's the one I really pay attention to, uh, for the defensive backs is the one where I don't know the official name for it, unfortunately, but they have the defensive backs flip their hips and then ultimately, uh, they throw them a deep ball and they have to track it and catch it. So, um, that's one that I look for, uh, the, the three cone for the certain positions. Uh, I know it got blown out of the water with uh, DK Metcalf last year, but I assure you he is a physical specimen for, for the most part, the three cone is a very important drill for a lot of players, because a lot of players don't have the physical ability that DK Metcalf does. Um, that that so that's one of the drills I look to. Uh, traditionally, that is a a strong indicator of uh, NFL success. And so those are some of the little things that that I look for. The the offensive line one on one drills are a lot of fun. Uh, the defensive line one on one drills are a lot of fun. And quarterbacks are kind of bleh. There's not really much you can tell from from the combine drills, in my opinion. Um, see here, 40 yard dash is very overrated, but I mean, obviously it's an important part of the evaluation is the straight line speed, but I mean, in an NFL game, how often are you going straight for a long duration of time? You know, it doesn't happen very often. The 10 yard split is, is, is probably the more important part of the 40. And so, uh, I'm actually looking forward to a guy like Henry Ruggs cause I think he's going to blow it out of the water. Uh, Jerry Judy, I think is going to run slower than people think, and that's going to be something to watch as well. And by this time next week, uh, we'll, we'll know these results. So I'm excited to get on the, to get on the podcast and talk about those. But, you know, the important, the other important thing is to don't put too much weight into the athletic testing because 
it's an ongoing battle in terms of uh, social media and football social media, but there's film, there's the measurements and the analytics, and you got to meet somewhere in the middle. So you can't put too much weight into either one of them. They both have to kind of meet up to create a good prospect. And so I'm really excited for it. I'm one of the nerds that will sit there and watch the combine as much as I physically can over the next week. But um, there, there's there's just, there's a lot of cool drills, and I'm really excited to see the new ones as well. Absolutely. And I'll just add one more drill. And for me, this matters for running backs and laying off into the linemen. To me, that's going to be the broad jump. Because uh, it, it is a it 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 looks awkward for an offensive lineman to be doing it, but it is a it is does do a good job showing that lower body power, and a guy like Kenny Clark who jumps really well at, at in the long jump, he did a really power he had a 102 inch broad jump, and so he did a pretty good job with that, and it, it shows how powerful your lower body is from a starting spot without a drop step without an extra any extra movement, how fast how powerful can you get off of your stance. And I think when you have guys who succeed in that, I think it can bode well to how well they can move the line of scrimmage. And, I, and to me, that's what's all. I'll be watching that one a lot. And some of these new drills that I think will help what Packers prospects would do, uh, there's one's called the Deuce Daily Drill, where the, the running backs get in the lineup over three bags, and they're going to be just going back and forth through and then exploding through a hole. Almost like, it's going to be like an inside zone run, basically just through a drill. So that can maybe show some some wiggles, some some vision that you can see. And also receivers will be doing the some hot route stuff, a lot of uh, quick smoke routes, and some change of direction type stuff more instead of the toe tap. Uh, there's mirror drills for the offensive linemen. There's going to be a running club drill now for the defensive linemen, the defensive backs. The traditional pedal and f- hip flipping is out, but they have a new drill that's named after Terrell Austin, where the the defensive back will backpedal five yards, open up and break downhill going 45 degrees, then catching a pass. Then he'll backpedal five more, open at 90 degrees and run to the first coach and break down, and then turn around toward a second catch and then catch a ball before the quarterback before a second coach. There's a little bit of everything on that drill between flipping your hips to 45 and 90 degrees, breaking on the football, wrapping up for a tackle. So there's it seems to be a lot more intensive of some of these drills new this year. There's 16 new ones all through the position groups. There's they're doing more gauntlet stuff, more mirror stuff, more change of direction stuff for us for some of these positions that haven't done it too much in the past, like linebackers. And the only one that I think that is dumb is they're had doing end zone fade drills, but that's just that that's just going to be entertaining for primetime television because the combine is now going to primetime starting on Thursday, but are are there any are there any other things that you're looking forward to in the combine? Any are there any certain players you're looking at or any certain just you're gonna be spending more time on over the week? You know, uh, I always like to watch the defensive backs and I'm glad you mentioned that they changed the the hip flipping drill we'll call it. Um because that other drill that you mentioned is probably gonna be a little bit more realistic in terms of the the way that they have to use that skill set. Um, which is good. You know, I think that's ultimately what the drills should do. Uh, the three bag drill really, really is a good one. You can kind of see how quick guys can get in and out of their stance. Um, and that, that's what's important to me there and how quickly they can, uh, kind of pop up into the offensive lineman for the defensive line drill, the three bag drill, and then the mirror drill for the offensive line. I completely forgot about that, but that's a great drill to watch. That, um, that's where you can really tell how, how well a guy moves on his feet and how well he maintains his stance and how powerful he can be 
while moving through the stance. So, you know, the different, the different aspects of being an offensive lineman are really all encompassed in that mirror drill. Um, for, for me, because I'm writing uh, about the defensive line in the Cheesehead TV draft guide, I will be watching as many defensive line drafts as I, or I'm sorry, drills as, as much as I possibly can. Um, that's really about it for me. Otherwise, I'll try to watch as much as I can. Uh, you, you mentioned it's on prime time. Um, but, you know, obviously prime time does not mean prime time for everybody anymore. So, you know, we'll see how much I can watch, but I'll definitely try to watch as much as I possibly can with a focus on the defensive line. Absolutely. And then one last thing I'm going to, I, I'm going to bring up one last drill because wide receivers will be the first ones on the field. It, it is the gauntlet. Uh, you just running down, down a yard line and catching five or six passes. I want to know which guys use their hands to catch it, which ones use the body. Because uh, obviously Green Bay needs to take a receiver and probably early, probably round two, because that's just how kind of how they work. But you, I want a receiver who's going to catch the ball with their hands. I don't want body catchers as very much. I guys who can pluck the ball out of the air, tuck it in, and go. And I think that's going to be big. So I think the lateral might be one that coaches are watching pretty carefully as far as see because this is known as a loaded class. There could be as many as. 30 to 40 receivers drafted. There, there's, there's gonna be a lot. And so if they can sh- show up in drills that really show off your hands, I think that could really help them at least a little bit as far as how their stock could rise. I completely agree. And that's, that's one of the key, uh, key boxes that I check when I watch any film on a receiver is do they catch with their hands consistently? So, uh, definitely something to look for, uh, at Indy. Absolutely. So with that, that's kind of our Packers grab bag. We we hit free agency, we hit coaching, we hit the combine, we hit potential for the NFL draft. There's a lot going on in Green Bay during this quote-unquote offseason. So that will wrap things up for this Sunday. Tyler, where can people find you? And have you got anything going going on recently? Uh, so you can always find me on Twitter, at Tyler underscore Grez. Uh, I've been pretty quiet. I've, I've taken on a new job, a uh, new day job. So the other stuff has kind of fallen by the wayside, but I'm still writing for the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide. Uh, that is coming out at the end of March. And so I'm writing about the defensive line, and I'm still in the process of watching film for that. But I think I do have a clear favorite in the group, so I won't spill the beans there. However, uh, it's an exciting... Uh, defensive line is actually a lot of fun to watch. So it, it, it a lot of people probably wouldn't think that, but I really do enjoy watching the defensive line. So uh, that's really all I'm truly working on right now. You can always find my fantasy football work over at DynastyNerds.com. There's a lot of cool stuff going on over there right now. They're really kind of growing and developing. Um, they have their own film room, so if you really want to watch prospects, wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends, um, they have some IDP stuff, so individual defensive player. Uh, they have some of that stuff over there as well, but not quite as much yet. But uh, Dynasty Nerds, uh, for $2, you can get the the Dynasty Nerd, Nerd Herd subscription, which is totally worth it, so uh, be sure to check that out. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty quiet, so those are really the two things I'm working on right now. Absolutely. You can, you can find my work on Dairyland Express. Uh, I just wrote an article last week about the Wisconsin Badgers prospects, the form that are at the Combine, and what drills matter the most to them, what interviews matter the most to them. So that's Quintus Cephas, Zach Bond, Jonathan Taylor, and Tyler Biotish, and whether any of them could end up in Green Bay. Other than that, follow me at Mike Wendlands, and I'll be doing more for Dairyland Express recently. I'll be continuing to broadcast high school sports if you are in central Wisconsin, so stay tuned for that as well. And of course, listen tomorrow for more of the Packet A podcast. We'll have more news, more updates from the land of green and gold. 
So for that, we'll say so long. You can don't forget to check us out at Packaday Podcast on Twitter and wherever fine podcasts are found, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. We are going to be there as well. So for Tyler Grezikor, this is Mike Wellen saying so long for now. We'll talk to you more for the Packaday Podcast. And of course, go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.